Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Resting Place South Tampa campus. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear, and we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. In the month of, of January, as the year began, um, God gave me a vision of what's coming, uh, and I saw it. This place was so packed, and we had a New Year's Eve party, and the worship was so intense, and I never seen this place that packed. And the Lord said, prepare, prepare, because what's coming is big. So we've been shifting a lot this year. As I started the year, the Lord gave me a word about excellence. And he says 2023 uh, is a year of excellence. And the Lord also showed me how that word was very traumatizing and triggering for people. Because they have a wrong perception of what excellence is because of their human physical experience and the broken perspectives of this world. And God was showing me that uh, excellence is not competition. Excellence is not um, superiority. And excellence is not, uh, what was the other one? Perfection or perfectionism. So we really, like, if you have a chance and you haven't heard them, there are on our podcast or on Spotify. There's three of them, a call to excellence, pursue the spirit of excellence, and then the last one was a more excellent way. I promise you it's going to heal you, and it's going to heal that perception of excellence. So um, you can do what God's called you to do, which is a be excellence in the Lord is giving God your best. And too many of us having that broken perception, we've held back. Even in ministry, we've held back in 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 helping in even our business ideas, careers, in different areas of our lives, leadership, we've held back in our families because, well, I'm not excellent, so I can't be the one. I felt the same way when I, God told me I'm going to preach about excellence, or I was going to preach about excellence. I was like, I haven't been excellent, right? You're, I'm automatically insecurity settles in, and the Lord's like, can I lead you? Can I teach you what excellence is? And then it becomes very encouraging, very empowering. And then we have a heavenly perspective of what excellence is. And it's not the only word that God is trying to heal in our lives. There's many, many things, many perceptions that God is trying to heal from religion. Like religion versus true religion, right? Holiness. All these things became like dogmatic. But just because people messed it up, it doesn't mean it wasn't originally of God or God's original intent. God loves a holy people. God loves a, a beautiful people. Even when I brought a teaching about sin, what God is really doing with us is God's changing our perception. So we no longer are looking through that foggy lens or through the, the lens of darkness, but we're coming over here into marvelous light. Everything is the opposite when it comes to God. And I'm not preaching about excellence. Um, there was a post that I um, wrote yesterday Somebody wrote to me, uh, a spiritual son, wrote to me asking me a question on Saturday morning. And it stirred me up. So all I'm going to share really, I, I sat at the computer last night because I know I was like, I'm typically the preacher that doesn't prepare a sermon. I just show up. But for the month of, of January, God was like, sit down and I want you to prepare. And it wasn't that now this is a box or a formula. This is what I'm always going to do. No. 
God was teaching me certain things. So, like, in the month of January, I was dressing up to come to church and preach and almost freaked people out. Like, whoa, where are you dressed up? Where are you going? Are you changing on us? And now you're talking about excellence. Oh, my God, he's about to get religious. No, you about to get healed. You're the one with the trauma, and God's going to take that trauma off because he's the healer of the trauma, right? Anything that triggers us, it needs to get healed. I don't care what it is. It needs to get healed because that's a little grappling hook the enemy has in your life. And little by little, gently, lovingly, kindly, God is healing every single one of us. I've just gone through major uh, healing in my own family, trauma from my own childhood. And God's been like digging it up and, 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 and digging it up or like being delivered doesn't mean you're a peacekeeper. You're a peacemaker. You have to confront. It's not, I forgave them, let it go. No. They need to get delivered. And you're the one chosen to get them delivered. So if you were like abused, if you were mistreated, and that's still festering in you, no, if it, you can't even stand that person. You can't be in the same room. You, st you start sweating, having an anxiety attack. Oh, deliverance needed now. Like, hello, these are the signs. If you need to pop a pill, deliverance is needed. And not in a bad way like you got a demon, no. For me, deliverance means confronting. Hey, I remember what happened, and I need to tell you to forgive me. It doesn't even mean, like, I forgive you, because that's what a lot of believers do. I forgive you. No. Will you forgive me? The Bible says if you know your brother has something against you. It doesn't say if you know you have something against your brother. No, your brother has something against you. That means, for me, I see it as I'm innocent. And they don't like me. They're mad at me. They hurt me. And God's saying, you didn't do the damage. Because Jesus on the cross of Calvary, he didn't do no sin. He didn't commit no murder. He didn't do no damage. But yet he hung on the cross, standing in the gap for the betrayer, for the enemy. This was what gospel is. He stood in the gap for the sinners. He who knew no sin became sin. So we could know the righteousness of God. In other words, he was righteousness. He was the only righteous one. So he takes our place. He takes our place so we can take his place. Right? Which goes back to the upside-down kingdom. We live in the upside-down kingdom. If you look at a coin, right? If you have a coin, it's, oh, I'll use, I'll use, can I use your phone real quick? It's the same phone, right? Like, Let's say this is a big old coin. Um, this is upside down, and this is right side up. It's the same coin, but then you're here and got flipped. That's what God is doing. God is literally flipping everything upside down and changing our lives. So the word, the brother asked me uh, yesterday, he goes, why, what, can you explain to me why the scripture says he becomes the defender of the weak? Right? And I'm like, oh, because it's it's what he does. He, you know, and sometimes people want this deep meaning, but I'm like, let's look at the upside down kingdom. Right? The weak don't have nobody defending them. So he comes and he provides. The scripture says that he supplies all our needs according to his riches and glory. And his riches and glory is like everything. He could supply every single need in in this whole world. Because he's that powerful. He has the supply. He has the provision. He speaks it. He makes it just happen. So as um, 
I started asking, answering that question. I was like, it's that he does the opposite. And I don't think, as people read scriptures, I don't, I've never heard a preacher speak about this. But I remember going back to that experience when God first took me to glory on, on, on 2001. I remember the one thing I experienced was oxymoron. And I don't know if any of you know what that means. It's like two opposites. It's like when people say uh, it's, it's, it's called hell right? That's an oxymoron. Or uh, the, the, I don't know, you know what I mean. It's just two opposites, putting them together. And I remember being in the presence of God. I remember being in this garden and everything, it was almost like conflict. It was good, but it was conflicting because it was like opposites came together. Even the song, I remember the song, I could only imagine, right? Um, well, it says, like, will I, will I stand still? Will I shout? Will I bow down? He's, like, trying to figure out what you're going to do. And I remember when I experienced the glory of God, I did it all. Right? I felt like I split into seven different Abrahams, and every Abraham had one experience. One side of me was crying. The other one was laughing. The other one was still. The other one was running and skipping and shouting. And it was like, like, it's hard to explain because in these temporal, physical bodies, you can't have all these emotions at once. You're either scared, but you're not like, like, I felt afraid. I felt the fear of the Lord, and yet I wanted to run to it and surrender. I remember wanting to be still and at the same time jumping and shouting. I remember wanting to speak and wanting to sing and wanting to dance. And wanting to lay down. It was like all these. And I remember like doing it all in some strange way. You get to feel like you did it all. Right? And it's these. The, I call it the oxymoron. Like I, I don't know how to explain it. It was like a river, but it was like fire. And it was like a strong tornado. I remember this wind was blowing. And it sounded like a raging tornado. But yet when it touched me, it was so gentle. And I remember going to the waters and getting in the waters. And they were like diamonds. And the water didn't only run over me, it ran inside of me. And I'm like, it's inside. And I felt like my head was open and the waterfalls were falling in me, dribbling down my ribcage. For some reason, when the little diamonds hit your ribcage, it tickles like crazy. It tickles. You just sit there laughing. And I remember the water coming out my toes. And, it was, and I remember just doing this like, how is water coming out of me? Right? I remember feeling the fire. I remember lightning striking me, but it wasn't bad. It was just like, here, lightning strikes you, kills you. There, lightning striking you, you're like, you're charging up. And I, I felt in awe. I felt lost in wonder. And I felt like, I'm not even worthy of this because this is so good. I remember breathing and counting how I breathe. I, 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 you count when you breathe because every breath is so good. You almost want to like, you want to hold on to the breath, but at the same time, you're ready for the next breath. And even inhaling is great, but oh, when you exhale. And it's, it's hard to explain it, but I remember having all these experiences at one in God's glory. I was like, I only wanted to inhale, but I also only wanted to exhale. Because if it was good coming in, it was greater coming out, right? It was just this, but which one do you do? You know, he's just like, this is amazing. I remember being able to jump inside flowers, you know, like, I can't do that here. Like, I remember everything had a song. It wasn't just like one song. It was like 
every petal, of every flower, of every garden, everything, every, every little part has a song. So it's this intertwining musical kaleidoscope that never ends. And yet your being is a song with that. And it's just like endless, right? This oxymoron. It's just this contradiction. Because here in this world, we don't experience none of that. We experience a little, oh, my God. People be like, church was on fire. I'm like, bro, you don't even know nothing. And like, we think we could have gone to the best revival meeting on earth. Still an inch of glory. Just just a little speck of glory. Because what we're going to experience forever, these bodies can't even contain it. You ever seen the, the revival meetings from the 90s and the 80s? Everybody's like, ah. I'm like, yeah, haha, I get it now. I was just watching one yesterday. I'm like, oh my God, that's what we were doing. We were running crazy through the garden. But we didn't know. Pentecostal just like, right? But that's what little kids do when they're happy, right? They're like, you didn't even know babies. I feel like speaking in tongues when people get the Holy Ghost shakes and all of that, it's just the children, like, in our bodies, like, let us out already, you know? But, oh, my God, the glory of God is so wonderful. So you start talking about the glory, you forget everything else. I even forgot my password. <laughs> Let me hold this phone. Um, so all of this, just to say that I just got really caught up when he asked me that one question. That was like, for him it was a question, for me it was a journey. You know, I was weeping as I was writing this, and I wrote, posted it on Facebook, but I felt the Lord was like, tell them about me. Tell the people about me. Like, sometimes we just get into these systems. It has to look this way. It has to look that way. And it's true. I mean, we live in a time capsule. So we, we're, like, trying to take advantage of time and honor people's time. But, man, I'm telling you something. Don't think you're going to get hit with real glory revival and you're going to have a one-hour gathering. It's not going to happen. It's not. It's impossible. People fall in love. They get married for a lifetime because they fall in love. You have no idea. You fall in love with God. You're like, <laughs> you lose yourself. It's hard to be on earth. It's so hard to be on earth and in heaven at the same time. Because it's just like, which do I choose? I mean, it's for their sake, not my sake. Because my sake is glory. <laughs> like, scripture even makes perfect sense. You're like, oh, my God, the dilemma Paul had. Poor guy. I have compassion for all the prophets. I'm like, poor Moses. They're still calling him a bad guy. He was frustrated with these rebellious people that didn't get it. He's like, come on, guys. Let's go to the mountain. And then comes down the mountain. They're over here lifting idols. Oh, my God. Do you want me to kill you? <laughs> like, like, don't get a prophet in the flesh. It's dangerous. <laughs> Leave the prophets in the glory. <laughs> like, do you not realize that God chose murderers <laughs> and brought them into the glory? <laughs> and now they're happy prophets. Do not get them back in the flesh, people. <laughs> You might have a very nasty surprise. <laughs> this was never Abraham. You will not, and nobody in this room will like old Abraham. Old Abraham will read you. I still read people. Glory version. <laughs> I don't read your weakness. I read your strength. I don't read your depression. I read your joy. Because he brought me to marvelous light. Keep me there, please. <laughs> Let's keep each other there. Because I don't think any of us were very nice outside of the glory. 
there's something about the glory. There's so much joy and love and peace and kindness and goodness. You see all these pastors, instead of like admiring them, admire the God that chose them. Give God glory for those men and women of God because they were messed up. There's something that God loves to do with messed up people. There's, I, I don't know, it's just wild what he does. He's the God of the opposite. And that's the title of this preaching, the God of the opposite. So, and this is, I'm just going to read what I wrote. Laying in bed, thinking about who God is and what he does. He is the God of the opposite. He seriously is a transformer of all things. He literally makes everything the opposite. That's what it is. It's the opposite, the, the side of the other coin, right? Like a coin has a head and it has a tail, right? But scripture says, you, you're not the tail, you are the head, right? We always consider tail bad, head good, right? And everything, when you start looking at scripture, we are this in darkness. But who are we in marvelous light? He doesn't want you to look at the shadow part of the coin. He wants you to look at the side of the coin that's getting hit with the light. Because that's your true identity. That's who you are. So as I go through scripture, and there's more. I didn't get them all. Um, he was just showing me our world is the opposite to his kingdom. The, we live in the upside down kingdom. God lives in the right side up kingdom. So when he comes, he comes introducing everything, but everything comes out the opposite. Oh, yeah, the Jews thought, oh, he's coming. The king is coming on a warring white horse. He's coming with his angel armies. He's coming as a warrior. And all of a sudden, he comes on a donkey. Huh? Right? He doesn't have warriors behind him. He has slaves and broken people and homeless people and sick people behind him. Hosanna. Hosanna. We're like, wait, wait. No, no, no. He's supposed to come on a white horse as a warrior running through the skies. Charge. He's going to decapitate our, our enemies. And this one comes speaking in love. Isn't that the same way we're waiting for him now? <laughs> well, not me. Because <laughs> that's not, it, all the Christians, oh, yeah, he's coming. He's going to split the sky open, and we're going to see him in the clouds, and a sword is coming out his mouth, and he's going to decapitate the devil, and there's going to be an ocean of dead bodies and blood everywhere. Right or wrong? Is that not how religion talks? I come from religion. I, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm scared. And then I meet this gentle, kind God. He's so gentle, so tender, so loving that you're just like paralyzed. I don't sin because I'm afraid. I don't sin because I'm in love. And I still sin. We all struggle with stuff. We're all disobedient one way or another. We all get angry and upset. Sometimes I just want to punch somebody in the face. Right? <laughs> and yet he keeps showing up with this gentleness and this goodness. And I just, I just start to cry. I'm like, you're so good. Why would you want someone like me? He's like, because this is what I do. This is who I am. I am the God of the opposites. You thought he was coming in one way, but he is coming in another way. You thought he was coming in as a warrior, but he's coming in as the lover of your soul. Who is this that's galloping through the hills? He's not like, ah, oh, charge. He's like, 
you're like, what? He's so loving. He loves to crack jokes. He loves to smile. And he, when he talks to you, he looks at you right in the eyes. And you're just like, Jesus, you're so beautiful. Jesus, you're so beautiful. His burning blue eyes, flames of fire. Man, you, you, don't, even, you, you don't even get tired of telling him how beautiful. You can't even look away. You're like, Jesus, you're beautiful. Oh, my God, Jesus, you're so beautiful. Oh, my God, Jesus, you're so beautiful. I'm telling you, it's weird. I'm like, I can't even say nothing else. I like, before you say anything, you're so beautiful. Before I say anything, you're so beautiful. You can't even blink. You're like, you're so beautiful. You're so beautiful. You're so beautiful. I'm telling you, it's just like nonstop. He's amazing. I'm glad I know him. I'm glad they lied to me. I'm glad they told me the opposite. I'm glad my enemies used me, abused me, spit me up, throw me down. Because he loves lifting up the broken. So somebody had to break me. So in reality, you'll be very grateful if you realize you'll be grateful for your enemies. You're going to be so grateful for your enemies, you still have no idea. Like, it doesn't even make sense to some people right now. Like, what? Once you see them in heaven, you're going to be like, girl, girl, I got to give you that. Because you tore me up. You tore me up. Do you know because of the breaking that I went through with you, he came? You guys spoke bad about me, and then I met him, and he blessed me, and everything the enemy created to destroy me, God turned it around to bless me. Look, I got to bless you because he blessed me. I'm not even playing. I was persecuted, kicked out of churches, humiliated, and then the glory hit me 10 years later. I walked out of those places. I said, I will never come back in here. Oh, you'll be back dragging. No, I'm not. I'm never coming back. And Jesus is like, well. I got to tell you something. <laughs> but I'm not going to tell you yet. I'm going to wait till you get here. <laughs> and then I encountered the love of God. Oh, my God, he loved me. He took me through a journey of love for 10 years. He kisses you. Then I started reading the Bible. I'm like, oh, my God, he does kiss you. Like, everything I experienced with him, then I saw it in Scripture. I'm like, no way. I thought I was halfway crazy. I'm so glad the Bible backs me up now. Because I just didn't know scripture was that good. Because if you read it through religion, you don't see the truth. But when you read it through love, oh my God. A homeless lady told me, she says, if you're not reading the Bible like William Shakespeare, you're reading it wrong. And it's so true. You got to put a little beautiful music in the background. And you got to read these love letters. Because these are love letters. These are love letters. God is venting. Oh yeah, these rebellious people. But tell them I love them. Tell them they'll go through this and this and this, and at the end, I will still be their God. There's no God like our God. Other gods, you have to make sacrifices and this and that, and burn your children, kill your children. God only tested. It was a test for Abraham. He's like, nah, you're not going to kill your son, but I'll tell you something. I'm going to lay down my son. For all the kids I promised you, I'm going to lay down my son's life. The very things he tested us for, he already did for himself. He, God is not taking you to a place to do anything he already didn't do himself. Everything he experienced, we're just joining him on the journey. That's all we're doing. Even when we laid down our lives, he laid down his life. When he says, pick up your cross, follow me. Oh, yeah, he got, he's picking up a cross. I mean, hello, I love my spiritual dad, Caleb. When Caleb needs help with something, I get up and I do it because I love him. So he said, Abraham, do this. Let's go. Right? 
Because I love my heart is connected with him. So imagine my heart with Jesus. If Jesus picked up a cross, yo, let's pick up a cross too. Because we got to look like him. He that laid down his life, we laid down our lives. But what? think about what you're laying down. You're only laying down your broken life, that messed up life, and picking up the life that he prepared for you. All you're laying down is the rejection, the abuse, and the accusations to pick up the blessings, the love, and encouragement that he provides. Because, come on, let's, let's be real. What did our lives really look like before this? Can I get a witness up in here? No, like for real. Where were you? Where were you 10 years ago? I do. I'm asking. <laughs> I'll tell you where I was at. I'm not even ashamed. I'm not ashamed. Because of that brokenness, he's brought out glory. I heard a song on the radio yesterday. He says, I'm not ashamed of the scars. I'm thankful. I think he says, I'm thankful for the scars. Or I'm grateful for the scars. Right? Because they show. Your testimony shows that there is still a living God. It shows that the Bible, that Jesus is real. You are a living testimony. That that God from the Bible, that distant God, is still moving on the face of the earth. I am an example. People might be like, God doesn't heal. I'm like, for you, because you don't believe. But let me tell you. Let me tell you how he healed my mom from cancer. Let me tell you how he healed me from depression. I thought I had HIV for seven years. And then when I got tested, I was clean. And the devil was telling me to kill myself. The devil used to tell me, no, don't even go to church because you're going to die. You're going to become a leader and then you're going to die on these people. And it took seven years for me to believe God. Because I didn't know his voice. As a matter of fact, I thought God was being mean to me when I was in church in 2004. Because in 1997, I got a phone call that I slept with somebody and that um, they tested for HIV positive. I was so suicidal and so afraid that I was like, nope, I'm not going to get tested. I moved to Florida because I thought I was going to die. So I came here because I thought I was going to die. So I just said, I'm not going to put my family through it. They're already ashamed with everything that I've done so far. I moved to Florida. And then God started showing me that he loved me. Raised me as a leader. People, I preach, but I'm still afraid. I still had a secret. I would go home and be like, oh, my God. And the devil would be like, you know, you, you know what you did? You know you're sick? You don't even know because you never got tested. And on 2004, so from 1997 all the way to October 2004, I'm in church worshiping God, and the Lord says, if you want to give me glory. I was on the altar. Glory. Glory. says, if you want to give me glory, you have to give your story. I can't tell these people what I did. And then he said the second word. He said, I told Peter, come. I tell you, go. Go get tested. Those were probably the worst words you could hear. I fell on the floor weeping, shaking in my boots. Why will you do this to me? If I'm going to die, then let me, let me not know that I'm going to die. Let me just die. And God's like, I'm trying to tell you, you're going to live. I'm trying to tell you, you've never been sick. There's a demon of destruction that's been on your life for seven years, and you have never been sick. But you've been afraid to confront the giant. So you've been listening to the voice of the enemy that has you in bondage. Yeah, you preach good, but when you go home, you're crying. 
That's not freedom. If you're happy here, you should be happy there. Seven years. I was like this. Shaking. God was using me to heal people. And I, I was scared. And I finally built the courage to go. I went a 20-minute test. Make sure they had a 20-minute test. I get there, and they didn't have a 20-minute test. So then I had to wait two weeks. I waited seven years, but I could not wait two weeks. Those two weeks were vomiting, anxiety, sweats, shakes. God, help me. Everybody in the church, praise the Lord. You're so powerful. And at home, I'm like, I'm going to die. I'm going to find out I'm going to die. God's like, you're going to find out you're going to live. Heals me. Touches my throat. I had a, a cyst in my throat. Touches me at home. I literally, the, the doctor had told me that I had to be careful with the cyst because I could drown in my own blood if it bursted. As I testify in church that night when God said, if you want to give me glory, give your story. The next morning, I spit out the cyst. I'm talking to my mom about what happened, and I spit out a cyst. I was like, ew, what is that? And it was the cyst. I run into the bathroom. I'm looking at my throat, and it was like if somebody was painting pink with a paintbrush. And it was gone. And then I heard the voice of the Lord in the bathroom, and he said, he said, you have never been sick, but because you haven't believed, I need to go to the doctor. He goes, now go, get, test it. And I built the courage that week to go. Then I had to wait. I remember that day I was in the basement. I was shaving, got up, and I was like, God, if, if everything's okay. Because you know when you're nervous and you ask God for 100 million confirmations? <laughs> if he gave you one, promise you, he's right. It's our own unbelief. And that's, this is Abraham 2004, learning the voice of God. I never always knew the voice of God because people see me now. They're like, oh, my God, I want to be like him. I'm like, do you really want to be like me? Because that means you're going to have to go through seven years of, like, thinking you have HIV. And you're battling that demon. And you can't get over it. And you got to learn how to hear God's voice. But you're scared. But you're learning. And you're like, this is all you're doing back and forth. Oh, God, no. God is going to, God is playing games with me. Why are you, why are you, why are you torturing me, God? God's like, I'm not trying to torture you. I didn't know God's voice. I was still in darkness. I was going to church, but I was in darkness. And then I, I remember it was the voice of truth. It was playing. I, that year, the voice of truth was my song. I used to hear that song in the radio. People probably don't even cry to that song no more. But let me tell you, 2004, there was a young man weeping every time that song would play. Oh, I wish I had the strength to get out of this boat I'm in. Onto the crashing waves. To step onto the realm of the unknown where Jesus is. Like I wanted to believe God. But it seemed impossible. Oh, I want the strength to, to hit that giant in the face. But they're laughing at me. They keep laughing at me. You'll never win. The waves laughed at me. The giants laughed at me. The religious laughed at me. And I said, God, can they play that song on the radio if everything's going to be okay? I get in the car, turn it on, and the voice of truth was playing. I keep driving, and the voice of truth kept playing. And, and I didn't realize I'm just jamming in the car. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. But I keep going. My job was like 45 minutes away. I'm getting off the exit. still the voice of truth. Then the announcer on the radio, they were doing Sherathon for, I think it was Joy Fam or Spirit Fam, one of those. And they, they were like, that day was the, the Sherathon. And they say, they said, uh, they had the Sherathon, so what, today we're only going to play the number one song of the year all day long on the radio. And that day they played the voice of truth all day long on the radio. I didn't even know God's voice. Now it's hilarious. In the car, I was like, blah, 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 speaking in tongues and crying. I was Pentecostal. 
hey, that's what we did. And I wept and I cried. I'm still going over there nervous and afraid. The day that I testify at church, going back a little bit, a man walked into our church because I was crying on the altar. I was like, God, I need a sign. I need to make sure everything's going to be okay. This man walks into the church. He says, I need to, I need to give a word. Kind of like this brother. I don't know him. We still give him Mike. Right? The, a man came into our church back in the day. Just like today, this brother came in here. He got a word. We let him. Back in the day, this man came into the church. He's like, I was walking down the street, and God told me to walk into this building and give my testimony. And we were, everybody in church was like, what do we do? We don't know this man. And then they finally decided, well, the pastor's not here, but let's hopefully give him the mic. You know, God bless us. And he starts speaking about how he was a cancer patient. He was on his deathbed, and the angel of the Lord came to his room right when he was about to die and said, Arise, it's not your time, and healed them. And now he was walking the streets. And that moment when I was on the altar asking God to give me a sign that everything was going to be okay, that man walked into the church and gave that word, and that built something in me. I was going through the waves, but I was trusting God. And I remember when I went to the clinic, I sat down. I was like, I'm either going to find out I'm healed or I'm going to find out that I've been having HIV or AIDS already for seven years. This is it. And then the devil's like, yep, you're about to find out. You have full-blown AIDS. You didn't even take care of yourself, and you're just going to die. Because that's how he talks to you. You need to know the voice of the devil. And you need to know the voice of your father. Because the devil is a liar. He comes to confuse you. He's the author of confusion. And you can look at him in the face be like, shut up, you lying devil. And you declare the word of God. The devil's not going to declare the word of God. It's your responsibility to know the word of God and speak the word of God and speak what God says, not what the devil says, not what darkness says, not what depression says, not what anxiety says. Speak what joy, hope, peace, kindness, goodness says. And then you'll see a transformation. And I remember I went into that room with that lady. She got the folder. It was a manila folder. She put it in front of me. She goes, okay, here we go. Right when she went to open the folder, I slammed my hand on the folder. I said, wait a minute. Before you give me my result, there's something I need to tell the devil. I mean, it takes, I look back at it. I'm like, I can't even believe I did that. Because it takes some crazy faith. She goes like, all right. Go ahead. And I looked in the room and I was like, devil, you choose. You choose what my result's going to be. Either I come out negative. And I give God glory. Or I come out positive. I go through the disease. I die from the disease. But because God spoke a word, God is going to raise me from the dead. God is going to heal my body. And then I'm going to give God more glory. So choose, devil, glory or more glory. Give me my result. It just came out. It just, it just came up. I don't know why. It just came out, but it came up. I went through two weeks of trial and tribulation. And then I'm like, Argh! I'm like, wait, what? I needed that roar for those last two weeks. I was heaving. I was putting cloth on my head. You ever delivered yourself? Anybody ever, like, had to deliver yourself? Like, you've gone through hell and high water, and nobody knows what you're really going through? You ever had to lay hands on yourself and cast out your own demons? Yo, it's real. It's real. I was going through some stuff, broken relationships. I'm tearing their pictures out. Get out! In the name of Jesus! I'm not playing with you. I'm not entertaining you. I'm telling you the truth. God will take you in the spirit and show you my life. 
when you go, you're like, break this addiction. There comes to a point there's prophets and preachers and teachers that can help you, but there might come a point in your life you have nobody to help you, and your help comes from the Lord, and you're going to stand with you, for you, in the gap for yourself, with the Lord. Decreeing and declaring what God says, even if the world turns against you. I'm telling you, it's real. So I praise God for the people that gave me the back. They had to give me the back. Because if they never gave me the back, I would never found out that Jesus was giving me his face. Because we are so into senses that we love cliques, we love groups, we love family. But it's so easy to forget about the king. So sometimes we got to go through some hell and high water to see how victorious we are. Sometimes you're going to have to go through the storm just so you could know that because you trusted God, your house did not fall. Sometimes somebody in your family might go through a disease just to find out that you have healing power, that you have authority to lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. You're just going to go through it, but you shall overcome in all these things. Through all these things, you are more than an overcomer through Christ Jesus. She opened the folder, and it was negative. Seven years of suicidal thoughts. Seven years of not being able to stick myself in a ministry because I thought I was going to die. And then it got better. We worship and praise God. And she goes, seven means completion. Now it's my turn to tell you. She goes, the day you walked in here, right before you walked in here, she said, she's a minister of the gospel. She said, I told God I'm not going to serve you no more. I'm done because God wasn't giving me what I was asking for. Because I was going through trial and tribulation in my ministry. And then you walked into this room. So desperately hungry for God. So unashamed. She goes, I went home and I've been praying for you for these last two weeks. She goes, you know why you went through seven years of hell? So I wouldn't go to hell. Just like that. So even the timing was perfect. Sometimes we don't understand why we're going through what we're going through. But God has a master plan. He's the God of the opposites. He likes taking broken things and transforming them to wholeness. He likes taking the weak, the defenseless, and making them the defenders. He takes the rejected, he makes them accepted, and then he sends them out to gather a harvest. He knows what he's doing. He doesn't go for the mighty and strong. Ask David. He goes for the one that's pushed away. All the weak. Think about David. You ever been rejected by your family? I have. They have a party. You don't get invited. They buy gifts and you're the one that doesn't get the gift. For some reason, oh, we forgot your gift. Yeah, that hurts. Think of David. Yeah, you go out there with the sheep. The strong, mighty brothers are here. How about Joseph? To the point that your family plots against you, tears your clothing, fills it with blood, sells you to slavery? We, we over here worry about human trafficking. At least th these people are being stolen by, by strangers. What do you do when your own family sells you? Think about how harsh that is. Because sometimes we think we've been through hell and high water, but when we look at some men and women of God, and then God still met them. And God raised David, the rejected one, 
to stand and save his brothers. He takes Joseph to save his brothers. Because that's what God does. He takes the rejected and he raises them up as leaders. He's raises them up at minister. He's constantly changing every. I was so ashamed of my story, but I love my story. Nobody got a better story than I got. And it's not competition. It's ownership. You better love your story more than you love my story. See, too many people are loving everybody else. You love the preacher's story. I have a question for you. Do you love your story? Do you love what God is doing in your life? Or are you still walking in shame? Because, I mean, I'm trying to get you out of that shame because I'm ready to hear your story. I shouldn't be the only one preaching. No pastor should be the only one preaching. Every member in every church should be preaching. You've been in church 10, 15, 20 years. Come on, you got to tell me something about Jesus. But we get so caught up in the book. Oh, the laws. I need to know so much. You know what? I need to know how he saved you. That's what I need to know. That's what people like that don't dare go to the streets and preach because they're still ashamed of their story. How do you look at a broken person in the face and preach and testify when you're ashamed of your story? It takes somebody that is part of their story. Let me tell you how daddy met me. Oh, oh, you could come. Oh, you could come. Let me tell you the hot mess I was. Woo, gee, I'm still a hot mess. Huh? Jesus, that's come on, give me that. Give me that. <laughs> I like her. <laughs> and God took that broken story of that gay kid, that HIV fool kid, that, that confused kid, that suicidal kid, the drunk kid, the whorish kid, because Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Messed up big time. And he still showed up. You know that God sent prophets to the club while I was partying to give me a word of the Lord? And God is looking for prophets that are going to get up and go to the dark places and bring the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to somebody that's lost. It's not religion. Religion has taken the beauty of God and made it a system. It's not a system. It's a kingdom. Get the lost. I'm telling you, you, you got to love your story. If somebody here is ashamed of their story, come on, let's talk. Let's get you out of that. Because your story is beautiful. You didn't have to be, you, it's not, I met some, a preacher this week when we were in the summit. And he heard my story. He's like, dude, I don't have a story like you. I've been in church my whole life. I'm like, he delivered you. you. You think you were holy because of you? Praise God, you didn't even have to taste the sin of the world. Praise God, you didn't walk in that filth. That is the most amazing testimony of all. That you were surrounded with temptation and you just, you just knew the right steps. Glory be to God, you heard the voice of the Lord. No glory to you, all glory to God. So even if you weren't in the world, even if you weren't sleeping around, even if you were shooting drugs, you have a testimony. There is something this living God has done for you. And there is a generation of people, maybe I can't convince the church, but maybe you can convince the church. Maybe I get the wicked ones, you got to get the holy righteous ones. Because if they got that self-righteousness, that's a spirit that needs to come off of them too. Because all glory, all honor, all praise to the king of glory telling you. I'm going to read this and it would be done. Maybe. 
I just want to read this because he's awesome. And, and maybe there's some opposites in your life. There's some opposites that he's done in your life that I don't even know about. Who is like our God? He makes valleys high. I literally see him. This. I see a mountain and I see a valley. I feel like he just pushes down the mountain and the valley comes up. That's how I see it. He's just like, he was in the glory. He pays the price. He pays the price so we could be free. Listen to that. Makes mountains low. He turns deserts into rivers. He dries up rivers. Last are first, but first are last. Sets captives free. Makes you head and not the tail. It gives sight to the blind. Hearing to the deaf. Trades cloaks of heaviness for garments of praise. See the opposites happening? He's just, he's the man. He turned everything around. Switches our oil of mourning for oil of joy. Transforms our sadness into gladness. Makes murderers into prophets. Turns deniers into pastors. Talk to Peter. He denied Jesus three times. And then three times Jesus goes back to him and says, do you deny me? Do you deny me? Do you deny me? No. He already denied him. As a matter of fact, he denied him four times because he even denied the fact that he, he, he didn't receive what Jesus said. You know, if Jesus says you're going to do something, get ready, you're going to do it. If Jesus says you're going to trip on that stone, look, just, just run over there and throw yourself on the stone. Because you're going to trip on it. I'm going to be like, you said it, let's go. Because everything he speaks happens. Peter didn't know that Jesus was author and finisher. So when Jesus said, hey, Peter, before the rooster crows, three, before the rooster crows you're going to deny me three times. No, I'm not. You ever had a friend say, no, I'm not. I'm like, bro. I'm like, Jesus was patient, by the way. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no, I don't want the mic. <laughs> but come on, can we be real? Somebody ever got on your nerves? No, no, no. Only me? <laughs> Jesus, why am I the pastor then? <laughs> Jesus is awesome. He knows everything. I remember when Jesus told me, you, the fire is going to come and you're going to run away. No, 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 we're going to stay on fire. <laughs> we scattered. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, look, I learned a lesson. So when you say something is going to happen, okay, I got it. So I'm like, okay. He says you're going to go through the storm. Get ready. You're going through a storm. <laughs> but you'll be an overcomer right after the storm. You know, you're just going to go through it. Like he said it, let's go. It's like he's the pilot in the plane. Hey, put on your seatbelt. The, the people in the plane in the cabin, they don't see nothing in the front. The pilot is over there like, okay, big storm coming. Everybody put on your seatbelt. Why are they telling us to put on our seatbelt? Put on your seatbelt. I told you so. You know, Jesus knew. Jesus is the captain. Do you not know that? He's the captain. You're in the, you're in the cabin back there having fun. Yeah, he's, he's taking the ship to his destination. So we listen to his voice. My sheep hear my voice and they follow the voice of a stranger. They do not follow my sheep in the palm of my hand, and no one will snatch them away. So it's okay. You're shaking in his hand. So shake, shake, shake. It's okay. You're not going to get snatched away. <laughs> Sound like a Riddler or something. <laughs> I hear myself. It's like, 
a second later I hear it and I'm like, did I just really say that? <laughs> so let's go. He turns deniers into pastors. He cleans the dirty. The sick are healed. The dead are brought to life. Brings us out of darkness into marvelous light. He accepts the rejected, loves the hated, multiplies the little into much. As the little boy with the basket of fishes and bread, or as the lady with the little jar of little bit of oil. Does God multiply? He multiplies. Ask Peter. He got golden coins from the belly of a fish. Blesses the cursed. Turns bones into armies. Stills the storms. Walks on water. Turns water into wine. Transforms brokenness into wholeness. Makes the empty overflow. Out of chaos, he brings beauty. Wakes up the sleepy heads. Wipes away our tears. Takes the defenseless and makes them defenders. Uses the little to take down giants. Fire can't consume. See, fire on earth consumes. You turn on a fire, it's going to consume everything it gets. But when the presence of God comes into the room, fire stops consuming. It doesn't stop burning, but it stops consuming. The, the Bible says, be still, be silent before him all the earth. All of earth, nature itself. You ever been in God's glory? Not even the birds will sing. I've been in places where I felt the glory of God come down. The trees were moving and they were making no sound. And I'm like, where did the sound go? And it's the presence, the heaviness, the kabod of the glory of God. It just goes, it's like a dome. And you're just like. If you've never experienced that, it's wild. Donkeys talk. He makes donkeys talk. Crows deliver bread instead of snatching it away. See the opposite? Go to the streets and throw a piece of bread. Crows, take it, right? But yet, God commands a crow to deliver bread to the prophets. It's the opposite. They bring everything is the opposite in God. It's going to be awesome. He makes fountains out of rocks. Makes paths in the oceans. Turns prostitutes into wives. Makes barren women into mothers. Uses the foolish to confine the wise. Uses the weak to confuse the strong. Makes slaves into kings. Raises the rejected into leaders. And he also brings kings down. If you don't believe me, talk to Nebuchadnezzar. He, a king became a wild man. In, in the, he literally became homeless. Wild beast in the streets. For, I think, well, seven years, right? For a number of years. When you're prideful, when you're humble, humble, he raises you up. But when you're prideful, he brings you down. It's what he does. So that's why God's like, just be humble. I'll raise you up. You're prideful, I got to humble you. It's just the way it is. Brings us out of, raises the rejected into leaders. Brings us out of pits to set us on firm foundation. Makes everything out of nothing. Makes the weak strong. Makes the poor rich. Finds the lost. Hides in plain sight. The king that is not served, but yet he serves. Goes through hell to bring us to heaven. Died so we can live. Paid the price to set us free. Again I ask, who is like our God? And there's many more. 
Amen? He's the God of the opposites. So I want you to look at your situation. I want you to look at your story. And you cannot keep looking at your story and just see the brokenness. Look back, but also look to the future. Look forward. And look at what God wants to do with this. I can define your future simply by looking at your past. Because he takes the opposites. So I need you, this whole message is, I want you to look at what you're going through right now. And I need you to give that to God. And be like, turn it around. Do what you do. Every weapon the enemy created to destroy you, God takes it, he turns it around, and it blesses you. What the enemy meant for evil, God is turning it around for good. It has to go through him first. And anything and everything that goes through God is transformed. It's transformed. So I want you to look at your story, your testimony, whatever it is that you've been through, your shame, your abuse, your neglect, your church hurt, your past relationships, your husband that cheated on you, the person that told you you're not good enough, the best friend that backstabbed you and betrayed you. I want you to look at that. I want every single one of you to think of what it is that's wounded you. God healed me. I was abused and molested by the age of four. And God healed my heart, and I became my abuser's caretaker. I know what I'm talking about. I have seen my abuser get healed from cancer because I allowed God to place forgiveness in my heart. And I've seen the restoration of God. So I know that whatever you've been through. I went to my high school reunion, and my bullies that used to punch me in the face and beat me up said, we're watching you on Facebook. Keep speaking. It took 20 years. But to hear my bully say, keep speaking. I thought it was a hoax. And everybody in my 20-year high school reunion kept saying the same words. Keep speaking. Keep speaking. God will do it. God will do it. That, that story, your life in the club, your, your life sleeping around, your life of addiction. You, you were in addiction. You're about to set the addicts free. Okay? I was shame, ashamed because I was living in the gay lifestyle. And I never knew how God could bring glory out of that. And I stand as a witness that I've seen so many people come to Jesus. People that never thought. We march in parades. We go into clubs and we simply love people the way that God loved me. I can't do nothing else because God didn't give me a formula. He gave me love. And I know love is the greatest of all. Greater than hope. Greater than faith. There is love. And love will do what nothing else can do. And God will take that embarrassing testimony because you can never say that in an altar. And now, in a funny way, I'm out and proud. With Jesus, I mean. He takes everything. He brings a pure version to the perversion. So what you lived in the past was just a perversion, a breaking that we all were in. We're all in this stew of break brokenness. And God is pulling us out and bringing glory here. What does it look like? You know you have permission to dream with God? Dream with God. Oh, can this become a book? Can this pain become a song? Can this pain become a poem? that will set people free can this pain become an organization can this pain become a ministry were you homeless because if you were homeless i see i see a ministry for the homeless if you were in prostitution i see you 
creating a home for women that have been battered and women that have been abused. You were abused as a child? I see you going into the foster care program and taking care of little kids. I see you creating a ministry for broken children. I see you getting on a plane and going to those nations and feeding the hungry. That's what I see. Because you understand their heart. You understand their pain. You were abused. Your husband left you. I see a whole marriage. I see a restored marriage. I see your husband coming. I see restoration. You lost a child? I see a family. This is what God is telling you. What is it that has kept you from fully stepping into your destiny? Because the very thing you've been ashamed of is the very thing I want to use. It's the very thing. It's going to be glorious. It's going to be beautiful. I see restoration coming. I see you standing in places you never thought you could stand. I see you leading a people that might not come to a regular church. But I see you leading them as a pastor. I see you teaching them. I see you feeding them. I see you loving them. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Resting Place, South Tampa Campus. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.